Yo, what's up, listening audience? Welcome to Prison to Promise with me, Dr. Craig Walid, is your host. Join us in this episode as we delve into the incredible journey of personal transformation and advocacy with Brother Corey Fraser, a beacon of hope and resilience. From his turbulent past to his unwavering commitment to reform and redemption, Corey shares insights, wisdom, and inspiration that will leave you enlightened and empowered. Get ready to be inspired as Corey drops multiple jewels of wisdom on personal growth, staying out of prison, and the power of second chances. Tune in as Corey takes you on a transformative journey of self-discovery and empowerment. This is Prison to Promise with your host, Dr. Craig Wally. Now let's go. Yeah, but once again, man, thanks for joining me, man, um, on this platform, Prison of Promise. And what I aim to do is really just highlight the, the stories of men and women who've been mm-hmm. impacted by the criminal legal system. And from time to time, we also highlight the stories of family members of people who've been impacted by the criminal legal system. And so mm-hmm. um, with that, um, once again, welcome to the Prison of Promise podcast, man. No, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm honored and privileged. And um just ready to have a great conversation with you. That's all, you know, on, uh, I'm really, I should put it like this. I'm feeling great because uh, Michigan won the national championship. I'm from Michigan right. and the Lions had a second round. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm real jubilant right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you on cloud nine. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right so uh, without further ado, I'm going to ask you, introduce yourself to the folks, man. Let folks know who we're talking to. Hi, well, my name is Corey Frazier. Uh, I go by Inspire the Block on social media, on all social media platforms. Uh, I'm a husband, a father, uh, just recently a grandfather, um, entrepreneur, and a motivational speaker at Resume Consulting, criminal justice reform advocate, uh, author. Uh, and that's, you know, just a simple man trying to uh, do some work in this world, man, that requires a, a lot out of potential. So that's that's what I am. But I also would say I live down here in Atlanta, Georgia. I've been down here for like the past, what, almost nine years. Okay. And where you from? I'm from Flint, Michigan, born and raised. Got up out of there uh, when that water crisis happened back in 2014. Okay. Me and my family picked up, but we came down here to Georgia. Okay. Right on. Right on. Well, again, man, uh, glad to have you here, man. Glad to know that you're making moves. Glad to know that you are out there trying to inspire and um, encourage the people. Uh, because the people definitely need it. Um, one of the things you mentioned, man, is that um, you said that you're an author, um, motivational speaker, and a couple other things. Um, but um, typically, I ask people to talk about this later. Um, but since you mentioned it, talk about your book um, or your books, and how can people find them? I uh, write glasses, wrong prescription, five key principles, how to stay out of prison is my book. Um, it's available on uh, a, a hard copy on Amazon and also in the ebook. It's just I, I take these five principles that I apply to my life to stay out. I'm going on 12 years uh, of being released and haven't had any police contact other than a minor traffic ticket. But it's these five principles that I use 
to uh, keep me grounded, keep me focused on maintaining my freedom. And so mm-hmm. I put these five principles in the book, but the, the, uh, my hard copy is a revised edition because what I end up doing was adding a section based on mental health for uh, uh, performing incarcerated people. So and the first version I wrote didn't have that, but I end up uh, make, uh, like I say, doing it a, a special edition and put that in there. Yeah, and that's so important too, bro. And thanks for uh, touching on that, especially that that mental health component, because I think that just being incarcerated can definitely have a negative mm-hmm. impact on our psychological health. And then you know, many of us mm-hmm. come home from prison, and we are not doing necessarily as good as we could be doing probably because of an undiagnosed or unrecognized mental health issue that has probably cropped up or made worse because of our time in prison, you know? Oh, it, it, it does. I mean, you take, for example, like I, I argue, in my book, I argue the word uh, rehabilitate. Like I have a very problem with that word when people use it to use it with and associate with formerly incarcerated people because the word rehabilitate, first you got to take the R-E, which is a, prefix to the word habilitate. Like yeah. people skip over the word habilitate and just focus on the repart, which means to do again. Right. But habilitate means to be made be made fit for society. Mm-hmm. The average person statistically that goes to prison has never been made fit for society. Because right. they come from all types of trauma, different environments that cause a lot of uh, mental disease. And what I mean by disease disease dis-ease as the word is broke down. Not necessarily mm-hmm. some terminal illness, but it is a disease and you compound that with the with the uh, prison experience and then push them back into society. And they wonder why the recidivism rates are so high because the, we have never been uh, officially habilitated. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, so. Absolutely. So, yeah, they you know. And then I'm just thinking right along that, that line too, though, brother, um, when we talk about rehabilitation or habilitation, and how can someone become even habilitated in a prison environment considering how harsh the prison environment is? You know, so people typically come out of prison in worse conditions than when they went in. So, well, for myself, um, I consider myself a habilitated individual now mm-hmm. uh, because of my prison experience. I, when I went to prison, well, first let me back up just so I give you a nutshell on that. When I went, I got yeah. locked up at seventeen years old. Okay, and um, I, I went with a friend of mine at the time to do a simple drug deal. Two people end up losing their life mm-hmm. in the process of this, and I was charged as an aid and a better. To, to the crime to where I was sentenced to three life without parole sentences. Like no numbers, no, told me go die in a penitentiary. By the grace of the most high, I was able to appeal the conviction and ultimately just end up spending 17 years behind bars. But what I chose to do when I was in prison was use prison as a form of college. I, I wanted to better myself. I wanted to educate myself. So I just started reading. Um, to this day, just in, my, in prison alone, I, I really believe I spread over 2,000 books. Yeah. So this is how you start to become habilitated by actually first having a conversation with yourself. Do you want to be better? It, even if you're in prison, that still doesn't stop. Of course, there's negative uh, uh, influences that's going to come your way, certain situations that's going to kind of change the trajectory in which you're trying to go in prison because it's just the nature of the beast. Right. But you still can maintain a level of consistency in becoming a better individual. Mm-hmm. So like myself. I ended up studying the nation of Islam. I just started studying religion. I started reading books. My favorite book to this day is The Miseducation of the Negro by Dr. Carter G. Woodson. And I just started applying this information. So this is how I was able to obtain my, uh, or or become habilitated based on information that I was seeking. Like I said, I just turned it into college. Mm -hmm. As my comment said, I got a homemade education. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what's up. And what comes to my mind, as you're talking, I'm thinking, yo, that's that's my same experience, just what you're talking mm -hmm. about. But one of the things I think about is why aren't there more brothers and sisters who are behind the wall self-educating themselves, self-habilitating themselves, getting themselves mm -hmm. ready to return to the community to do something better than what they did to get in? You know, I, I, I would think that a lot of them do. And, and, and the reason why I, I say that is because, for example, like the title of my book is called Right Glasses, Wrong Prescription. Mm -hmm. If I can see you're a man that has eyewear. Now, uh, right glasses, wrong prescription. Like you can have the best frames in the world right. on your face, but if the lenses <laughs> don't help you see correctly, yeah. I don't care how good the glasses look, you still can't see. So I, I use that to say that when people come out of prison, they have the right idea. But most of us go back to the same environment. This is the wrong prescription. Mm -hmm. So now when mm -hmm. they return to society, they get caught up back in the same things or activities that they get that led them to prison. It seemed like they're not um, sharpening their tools set when they come to society, but which and actually they are, is just they go back to that same environment. And what it does, it corrodes every idea that they had when they was gonna get out, uh, get out back in society out of prison. Hence the the, the uh, suggestion often, don't go back to the community that you came from. Don't go back to where you got arrested. Go somewhere that you don't know. And, and, and that will be the idea, but we know most of us that go to prison come from poverty. So when we're released, we're back. headed back to poverty. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you just have to be that individual, that soldier that says, man, I'm going to fight against these negative influences mm -hmm. and do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, fortunate for myself, I was able to come home and be placed in the right environment based on the one that my wife created for me because my wife wanted me to be successful mm -hmm. with this transition. Yeah. So she created the environment. You know, when I when I went to prison, um, my mother and father, and uh, biological father, so my mother, father, stepfather, and grandfather all passed while I was in there. Mm -hmm. No family then when you came so, home. So yeah, I, I lost my whole immediate family while That's I was in prison. Yeah. So man, I mean just. You know, it still hurts to this day when I think about it because it's like, you know what? You know, my mother saw me go to prison at a very young age. Now, she lived long enough to know that I was getting out because I had got the one appeal, took the plea like they do most of us when you're indigent uh, and, and going through the system. You just want to get out of prison. So you, right. you take the offer. And but she died two years before I got out. And so once again, I knew that I wanted to still make her proud. Yeah. So what I did when I came home, I just focused on this transition. I didn't get caught up in old homeboys who I saw, uh, old girlfriends who I had saw while I was being out. I didn't let that distract me. I just stayed focused. And it's imperative that upon release, you have to be literally, you know, mentally strong because those waves of negative influence, they gonna come. Yeah, and they always and, and like so many of my brothers and sisters, they grab them. They grab the majority of them. This is why we have. You know, within the first three years, 57 of people that's released from prison end up back in prison. Yeah, yeah. And not, not to mention, you know, and not to mention the overdose rate, the homicide rate, you know, yeah. people getting out of prison. It's, it's hyper accelerated, I, I like to call it. You know, it is. I agree. Totally agree. So tell me this, man. Um, if we could back up even a little bit, um, at what point did you decide that I need to change? how I'm thinking, how I'm living, et cetera, et cetera, to get free from this type of living, this type of penitentiary lifestyle. Well, I mean, like, yeah, just when did the change happen for you? you I, I'll tell you, and you'd probably be like one of the 
few people I've actually told this story. I think I was like into my second year in prison. And it, it was late night, probably like two, three in the morning. And I, I remember just waking up. I was on the top bunk. It was a two-man cell. Um, I was on the top bunk and the guy, I, I can't remember my cellie name at the time, but he was down there asleep. And I just, man, I just started crying. Like I'm in here doing life without parole. I'm 20 years old. Do I want to be this same individual for the rest of my life in case I have to spend this time? Because uh, one thing that a lot of, I, 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 put like, I try to tell a lot of young people that I'm talking to, especially when I go in detention centers and jails, just because you in jail don't mean you're going to necessarily come out of it. You think it's cool to catch these bodies or catch these cases and go to prison? You may not come out. So for me, um, I was looking at it like, I may not get out of here. Yeah. You know, I know at the time I had met people that was in there for 40 years that doing life. They clearly not getting out. And I could beat them. So I just decided at that moment that I was going to start to make some changes to myself. And I started with self first. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I started talking with brothers on the yard that um, seemed a little bit educated. They, you know, they was book smart. You didn't see them caught up and messing around in, the, in prison politics. And I started associating with these kind of brothers. Mm -hmm. So they would, I remember, never forget the first book that somebody ever gave me was Message to the Black Man. Elijah like the Muhammad. first book I actually ever read by Elijah Muhammad, and that changed my whole uh, uh, trajectory with my thought pattern about myself as a black man, and I just started building from there. Yeah, yeah. My book, my 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 salvation book, I like to call it. Couple of them, but the mm -hmm. first one was Naeem Akbar, Chains and Images of Psychological Slavery. I read yeah, that. Naeem Akbar oh, with somebody, I, I, author. I've I, I read a lot of his material, so I know exactly who you talk about. Naeem oh Akbar. yeah. That brother really showed me how much in bondage I was and how I fell into the traps. And like you, I decided to get myself out the same way, you know, reading, writing, finding the right type of people to talk with, the right type of people to give me instruction and guidance, right side penitentiary. I tell you, penitentiary was the first place I got the most um, mentorship in my life prior to getting out. Same as me. Same as me. Because you, when you went in there and keep my mind, I'm, I'm, I went in at 17. I didn't get out until I was 35. So I'm a younger than here. And a lot of these guys that I end up meeting, they really care for me. They didn't want to take advantage. They didn't want to do nothing like that. They wanted to make sure that I could become the best version of myself. And, you know, they they were older. Like a guy I never forget, I wrote about in my book. His name is Duck X. I just started, it's been a long time since so I remember him by. But he was the one that was very instrumental in my development. My first, the, I should say, the, the pilot to uh, my metamorphosis as an individual. He was the first person that kind of like would be on me. Did you read that book? Did you read this many chapters this day? Did you do these push-ups? You know, and like I say, these kind of brothers, they in there, they just don't get highlighted. You know, they, it, they get blanketed with all the negative uh, individuals in prison. But there are quite a few people, like you say, brothers in there that really care for other brothers. They just want to see you mentally successful. Yeah, yeah. A lot of those brothers are teachers and uh sages and all that and the unfortunate piece is that sometimes we find ourselves in prison and then that's when all of our gifts begin to manifest and i think that is a lot of times because we don't have the challenges that we've been facing be it poverty or abuse mm -hmm. or you know drug addiction and all the other stuff that we engage in that brings us to prison but once that stuff is kind of put to the side our natural genius come forth i tell people all exactly. the time the most brilliant people I've ever met in my life. I've been out of prison 26 years, yo. And I've got Man, and I've gotten a doctorate degree in, in, in the meantime. All right. But yeah. still, the most brilliant people I've ever met were those men on the yard that you and I are talking about.
because it was for them that I began, or it was because of them that I began going to school and began this metamorphosis. So, yo, I think you're hitting the nail right on the head, bro. In my book, I argue this here in my book. I said, I put brothers in prison that, that's involved in religion. I, I call them scholars. And I tell them, I put them up against any religious leader out here in society. Because, for one, like you said, they don't have the distractions. They, we don't have the distractions. Yeah. So we really live in this religion, regardless of what it is, whether it's Islamic, uh, uh, Christianity, Buddhism, it does Judaism doesn't make a difference. You know, like in prison, you're dedicated to yeah. that. And the information that you take in, because you have countless hours to study. So it goes back to what you said, man, those brothers in there, they scholars. Yeah. The difference is, like you said, those gifts, skills, and talents are not being manifested out here. And go back to what you said once again, that you're right, when you're in prison, you see these things within yourself. You don't see them for in society, like for example, myself, uh, I was a gangbanger. My neighborhood, I ran with a bunch of guys who gangbanging, and we wanted to be rappers. So this is what we saw ourselves. But when I went to prison, oh no, I can read. Yeah. I really can speak. Yeah. I can comprehend. Yeah. You know, I can retain information and then give it back out. Like, know, oh shit, I'm smart. Like, yeah, I'm smart. Like I didn't know this at first. Yeah. Like when I got locked up, all I read was all I read was the source magazine. That was the Bible to us. Yeah. In yeah. the hood. For me, but it was uh, prison, iceberg. Oh, yeah, I know them all too well. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right, you can experience these um, different parts of yourself when you have the opportunity to just be silent. And I think that's what prison does. It slows down our thoughts. It slows down a lot of different beliefs and ideas that we have to where we can actually see the real version of ourselves. And that's what prison did for me. I'm not going to lie. I think I'd be dead if I didn't go. I just I've been shot once. I told somebody that this morning. About myself, mm -hmm. I'd be dead if I didn't go to prison, and I wouldn't be who I am today because I'd be dead. I didn't mean even if I wouldn't be dead, I still wouldn't be this version of myself right now. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be. I'd be like a lot of my other partners that I grew up with, a, a relative that in in their late forties, uh, still a couple of them live with mama, mm -hmm. a couple of them ain't taking care of kids that they had out here. Mm -hmm. I got a couple that's doing okay, but for myself, I was just so entrenched in gang banging and yeah. gang culture. That I would have still been an adult claiming that. Mm, mm. Well, I would have been one of But I want to oh, go back. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just said I love this side. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I ain't turning it in for nothing, man. Since I've been out, man, I, I, it's not about me, but man, I've just been living this life to the fullest as I can. Traveling and meeting people and just doing shit, man. Yeah, man, this life is for living. But, you know, yeah, you said something earlier, man, that I think that the listeners really need to, to hear. And one is, you know, you mentioned when you came out, you had your wife and your wife helped create this environment for you, you know. And so I think it's mm -hmm. important for people to realize the importance of having community supports, you know. And it's also important for people to realize them, uh, uh, how important it is to have um intimate, close, intimate relationships, like with a wife or with a parent, with people that you can trust in the date and they can trust you. Because I think it, the, the greatest agent of change is through relationships, you know, those mm -hmm. relationships that influence us the most. And so if we can have mm -hmm. those, those uh, what I like to call, what's well, an actual term, um, pro-social relationships versus anti-social mm -hmm. relationships, I think we're more likely to move ahead in a pro-social manner. And as you know, pro-social behavior keeps our ass out of prison. Facts, facts. Uh, you know what? My mentor, he asked me a couple months ago, 
And uh, shout out to Steve Beach, who's a great guy down here in, uh, in, in Atlanta. But he asked me, he said, what's the number one thing you've learned from me since you've been around me? I said that relationships is true currency. And he just winked his eye at me like, because I've watched this man, I, when I be around him, he, it's like he know everybody in Alpharetta, Georgia. Like this is his area, the city he lives in, but he knows everybody, called him the unofficial uh, mayor of Alpharetta. And I say all that to say, when you get out of prison, you have to have healthy relationships if you're going to be successful in this transition uh, from formerly incarcerated to now citizen. And without that, it, it's almost like a recipe for disaster because if you don't have a positive environment to go to, once again, you're going back to that same one. And that and that environment is more influential than you trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. I don't care who would know about it. Kanye West said it best. He said, how does he stay faithful in a room full of, how, how does he stay faithful in a room full of hoes? Well, we know in actuality, that's a hard thing to do. It's almost impossible. <laughs> right? It's, it's almost impossible. And it's the same way with coming out of prison. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have the right environment, you would not be successful in this transition. For example, when I first came home, you know, we don't even have access, we don't even have a car to get to the parole office. Right. So if you don't have nobody that's willing to assist you in getting to the parole office, boom, there we go. We got a violation because you, you right didn't show up on time. Yeah. Right off the muscle. Now, boom, you got a you got a parole violation. So more than likely, you're going to go back until you see the parole board again, they're gonna to decide to pay. Or um paying the fines or whatever it is. Like with myself. I didn't, I didn't land a job until my first nine months home. Mm -hmm. Like I, I struggled, but it's because my wife knew somebody that worked at a dealership who got me an interview. That's that currency. Like I didn't know the, exactly of having relationships or knowing people. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, so it's, that, it's imperative. I'm putting it like that. And that's another principle in my book. I talk about family, understanding the importance of family, because um, a lot of us that have been to prison, we, we get out and be bitter towards family because they may not send money when mm -hmm. we wanted money. They may not wrote letters and stuff like yeah. that. But you can't hold that against them because they're out here living. Now that we are, I'm on this opposite side. I still got buddies and partners that I kick it with. And I'd be like, oh, shit, my man, my, my bag, I forgot. I was going to send you that, but I forgot. Mm -hmm. I understand now. You be out here doing stuff. Well, sometimes I but, can't send it. You're right. Sometimes I just can't. I right. just can't do what you asked me to do. But I understand that now because I'm free. At one point in time, I... Why you ain't do this? Why you ain't do that? I asked you to do that. Mm. You do that, and it builds up that resentment. But once you get out, you understand that people in society they moving that the, the, the beat of their own drum based on the way society is moving. You can't be mad. Just accept whatever they're going to uh, assist you with when you're out, and move forward that and be grateful because trust me, they can still be doing the same thing. If they give you any time a time when you're out, just be grateful for it. So yeah, yeah. like once again, environment is key. It, I mean, it's the number one. It's the number one principle of being successful coming home from prison. It's the right environment. Other than that, you would never be successful. I don't care what nobody tell you. And, and when you talk about environment, too, I think it's also that psychological environment. Yes. You know, yes. Even more so. But as you talked about environment, I, I was reflecting on my own experience. And when I came home, um, I was fortunate enough to have family support. So I had a couple little coins in my pocket, nothing serious, but it was enough to get on the bus. Mm -hmm. And so every day was, I would yeah. get up and get on the bus and I would leave the neighborhood and I would be out mm -hmm. looking for jobs or at meetings or something getting around. And it wasn't until evening around curfew that I came back. So people uh -huh. only see me coming and going because that's at that discipline that developed. You know, until I could buy no, I was just I was the same way. Yeah. And I was just saying I was I was the same way. For me personally, I I'm gonna use this word. I was afraid. Yeah, me too. And what I mean, 
I didn't have any physical problems in prison. I'm a small uh, stature guy. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm five six, 135 pounds. Very always been this my uh, my whole entire life. Right. But I was somebody that I was never, I was never afraid to have some kind of one on one confrontation with any of us. Never that because right. I was in the streets carrying guns and doing all this crazy stuff. Right. But that was a part of myself. But when I got out, for the first time, I was afraid of prison. Yeah. No, I I, I internally told myself that. So therefore, I would do things necessary. That's not even an option no more. No, I don't. I tell people all the time. I don't commit crimes. Yeah, no, no, I stand on that. No, I don't commit crimes. So, why I don't commit crimes? Because I don't want to go to prison again. No, that really did something to me. Yes, like sir. I said, it was all psychologically, mentally, not physically. And that's There's the harm. Ever it's a major harm. Physically, mm -hmm. you can deal with that. But psychologically, it takes years to recover from that. Bruh. Like, I'm still I, I with with my it. wife. It's still like my, I was going to share the tech. My, share, my wife still, she says, I still suffer from one aspect of prison. And I say, what's that? She said, you eat your food too damn fast. I hear that a lot. <laughs> you only get what? Three, three five minutes. Hall, yeah, five minutes to scarf it down and get you off. Get that arm right like there. Man, didn't it just make it so you get before they tell you to leave it? Yeah. But that psychological aspect of prison, like I said, I'm going on 12 years and I still suffer. I don't know I'm doing it. It's a subconscious thing. I think I'm tasting the food. It tastes good to me. How about but nightmares? People looking around. It is. People looking at me like, man, slow down. But how about yeah, psychologically, nightmares, I don't have those no more. Like I, I did them. in the beginning. Do you? I still have them. I still see man. the riots. I still sometimes wake up on the count. You know, all of that. Man. Sometimes I'm still hey, walking you know, to walking to the bathroom with the toilet roll in my hand. All of that. <laughs> you know, in the newspaper, in the short ice, all of that. The dreams. You know? it's, it's 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 once again it's the psychological uh, effects of of, of prison. It, it, yeah. To me, it's no different than slavery. You know, it's going to take time yeah. to recover and heal from that. Even mm -hmm. with myself, which ones, and that's, that's not the only one, but I have multiple ones still, but it takes time. For example, I'm going on 12 years. I spent 17 years. I just recently, I'm almost at the mark to where um, I, I've been out almost as long as I was in. Uh -huh. So it's going to take a lot more time still for me to still develop and, and shake a lot of that shit that I experienced. Like, you're right. That's traumatic to see a stab and to see somebody get stabbed yeah. in, in prison yeah. or a riot. Yeah. Or you on the yard, somebody get to fight in front of the gun tower, that gun go off, you got to get on mm -hmm. the ground. Mm -hmm. That stuff mm -hmm. is embedded in you. Yeah. And you don't just shake that overnight. This is why I've been advocating for down here in Georgia. I've been talking with a few politicians about trying to have a law so when people get out of prison, um, that the state provides mental health resources for them automatically. And that's we, we need physical it. health resources too, man. Because what people yeah. don't realize is that trauma impacts the body to the point where those of us who experience trauma have increased risk of all types of diseases, man, and ailments that is correct. because of trauma. And if prison that ain't traumatic, correct. then I don't know what is, you know? Me either. Yeah. <laughs> Me either. Well, hey. I, 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 boy. Go ahead. No, because I, I didn't want to let these things get away, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but you also talked about the importance of being still. Mm-hmm. And how that That's allows you to reflect on yourself. And I think our society doesn't allow us that opportunity. And so it's important for people to, to make that still time for themselves and put that phone down and be quiet for a minute to listen to themselves. And then another piece you it, talked about is gratitude. And I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, oh I, I, I'll be uh, terse and succinct. Um, when it comes to the stillness of the mind, this is how you get to really see yourself. Because on the surface, we're 
actually acting or responding to the way that society moves, which is really sometimes not even our real authentic self. Like I tell people all the time, um, when I was game banging, now that I'm older, no, I was faking. I really, I really was faking and shaking with this shit. I really wasn't as I thought I was. So now I, I, I hate it. You don't go from really being engaged with something for a fortune world to now you turn around and hate it. And the reason why I was able to draw this conclusion because it took, I took time to really just dive into my thoughts, just feel this. Even now in society, I still take a few minutes out the day just to be alone, even if it's five minutes, to hear my thoughts correctly. And also, I believe that the gratitude can go hand in hand with that because my father used to always tell me this here. Well, my stepfather, I should say. Um, he said, really, the average person has nothing to complain about if you're not in prison and you woke up on this side of the dirt today. So it's, you know, if you can look at those two different things, you can look around and see gratitude at everything. Like when I see the, the trees, I'm grateful for the trees. It's how we get oxygen. The yeah. sun, even though it's cold down here in Georgia, but I'm I'm, I'm grateful for the winter time because the summer's going to be hot as hell. Bro, right? so think about this. Gratitude and everything. I agree with you. And just the fact that we are alive, we have won a cosmic lottery, man. You know, yes. we think about yes. all the... All the sperm cells that swam through our mother's uterus and it came out to be us. Right. You know, and then so, not just that, to be born and to live. And to live, to be our age. Man, listen, when I tell you black man, I try to get young black boys to un like they like to, they like to man, you old. Yes, but I'm not to the point where I, the age I would love to be. Like I wanna when I die, I wanna be as old as I can be. That's right. I don't care if it's 110. I want to live to be that. That's right. To me, it's 40 going on 46, going on 47. This is still early. Let's live. What's wrong with living? Mm -hmm. And I try to pound that into young people all uh, today because they don't understand the concept of, of life and death. Right? I tell them that when, when you're dead, I don't teach heaven and hell. I don't. I don't. I don't. If, if that's real, okay, I'm going to let somebody come back and uh, dispute that claim. But you. from the evidence that I've got, this is it. Once once this expires, there's no more of it. You go back into the state that we were before the womb of our of our mothers. Of unconscious. You don't even know you exist. None exists. You don't know if you had children. You don't know if you was wealthy, poor, nothing. It's over with. So in this meantime, if this is the understanding, live life to the fullest. That's right. I don't care what the struggle is. Still try to find happiness and gratitude in every day that you're alive. Mm. And this is what this is my message to a lot of young men because they don't understand that they they okay with death but not really understanding death. You, of course, you kill a, a op as they call them. Yeah. But you could be the same one to get killed next, and you be in the same position. That's right. You know. So let's understand death in its totality. Once you do that, you'll understand life. And you'll try to live it to the fullest. And this is this is all I do because I was sentenced to death. That's yeah. what a life without parole sentence is. It wasn't no do twenty five years and you get out. No, you die. If I was in a prison, this would be year twenty nine. Yeah. You know, I talked to a brother this morning on death row here in North Carolina. He called me and he said to me, he said, you know, bro, he said a death sentence is a sobering reality. Mm. He said, I got that death sentence. He said, I had to change how I live. You do. He said, even you if it on the road, I got to change. Yeah, because you, the ideal of dying, uh, the person that was not really you, to me, that bothers. Yeah. Like, even in prison, you still can be you. you. Unfortunately, it's in prison. You know, and I know, a, like we both just shared talk a minute ago, I know a, a, a bunch of, man, great individuals. The difference is they just in prison. 
You know, and they can't change that reality. One of the one of my best friends is a guy by the name of Dyson X. He, he on year 30. Mm. You can't get up out of there. But when I say this brother has been one of the most influential persons in my life, mm. even now, even out here in society, we still communicate through the JPM via phone call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it, it, sometimes it saddens me that these brothers won't get the opportunity. But what I try to do is to be a vice gerent for these brothers. Yeah. Let me, if I was the one to escape this reality that we all journey with in prison, but let me give y'all hope. Yeah, let me do and, something and for you. Let I me would, reach out for you. Yes, let me let me serve as the example to what y'all really want to be, even though you can't get out. And this is why I stay in contact with them. This is why I tell them about the ideas and, and business ventures that I'm doing because they want it, but they know me. So me doing it is a representation of them. It's almost like you they're living vicariously through you. Yeah. They are. They yeah. are. And that's they why are. I do this and stuff, man. And that's why I do this, the podcast, so that other brothers can hear your story, my story, other people's story, and have some hope. That's why I went to school when I got out, so brothers could hear my story and say, yo, you know what? I'm smart, too. I'm smarter than that dude, Wally. Mm -hmm. Let me go to school, you know? And on and on hey. and on. We got to inspire each other. I tell people we are part of a fraternity, a unique fraternity, and we have to look out for one another. And that's those of us who are bitten by this criminal legal system, this poverty system, you know, this poor, failing economy, schools, communities, mm -hmm. all that, that feed into us going into prison. And so those of us like you, like me, and many of the guests that's been on this show who found a way to break the cycle, the hope mm -hmm. is that other people could hear our stories and find a way latch on to our coattail or something and follow our lead because every story right. is leading out of the penitentiary out of the out of the hood you know but some of it us stay in the hood so we can change the hood you know one brother i, 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 I it was just and i'll end with this one brother i interviewed he said i didn't want to make it out the hood i wanted to make it in the hood i wanted the brothers in the Ooh. hood to see that you can still change and he's still there Man, all oh, praise is due to the grass. That's why I, I, I call myself on social media inspire the block. Mm -hmm. Because instead of being at one point in time, I was a um a liability mm -hmm. to the block. Right, right, right. Now my ass is it. So right. I, I inspired a block. And and I think and I'll share this with you. Um what it, my, my my speaking style, it varies based on the audience in which mm -hmm. I'm talking to. It's supposed so to so like when I go into, when I go into these detention centers, which is man, one of the places that I love to go because these 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 young brothers, man, they they different. This generation is very very different. They didn't come up like I did or you did with OGs or just older mm -hmm. uh, men. Whether you took their advice at, at that time or not, there was somebody to say, "Hey, man, you shouldn't be doing that." Or mm -hmm. like my stepfather's partners would be like, "Man, I don't want to come down to that jail and see you." Like we had mm -hmm. individuals. I come from a lot of men, and so when I go into these places and speak to these young people, especially young black boys. It it, it 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 amazes me the ideas that they've developed based on society because they don't have men in their life, and so what I start telling them is this here. Um, then I'll be blunt. I said a, a lot of y'all is going to go to prison. I'm, I, I tell them I say, I'm not going to give you that you're going to make it out of this or not. A lot of y'all going to go to prison. Some of y'all may not make it out of it. I said, but for the ones that is going to go and do about twenty to twenty five years. My goal is to create the next me in you. You're going to get out and do the same work that I'm doing. The only problem is you're going to have to go do 20 years. Right. You got to go do it. Yeah. But when you get out, you're going to be of age. You're going to be about 35. You're going to be almost about 40 years old. You're going to come out and do great works. 
It's just the way that the system is lined up for us. Yeah. But trust me, you're going to get out and do great work. Mm -hmm. And this is what I, I tell a lot of these young cats that's in them, in them places now, you know, that they're going to be in this fraternity like me and you. It took time for that to happen. Yeah. But it's going it's to be a good thing in the long run. Yes, sir. And so what we're doing is planting seeds. That's what I'm hearing you say. And so yes. yo, we're coming up on the end of our time. And so before we get too short, I would like to ask you to let people know how they can reach you, how they can find you. Okay, you can find me. Uh, for one, you can go to my website, which is middlepassagemedia.com. I mean, just that, you know, the Middle Passage is that sojourn for slavery. I mean, with, uh, with uh, African slaves over here in America. Uh, in America. It's called middlepassagemedia.com. You can reach me there. Also, you can reach me directly at my email at Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, Fraser, and that's at Gmail or Yahoo, whichever one. And uh, let's touch bases. Let's work. Let's connect. Let's try to inspire a lot of our Black boys because I realized this year, this is what I'm, I'm really aiming at this year. Instead of just being a, a broad blanket, now I'm about to start to talk to Black boys and Black men because this is what's needed. So let's connect, let's work, and um, put our egos to the side. Let's do what we need to do to clean up some of this mess in America that we contributed to maybe years ago. But I ain't saying let's clean up the whole America, but just this small mess that we made. And it'll look better in this corner if we get together and start to clean it up. Right on. Bro. So that's just you know, my message. And uh, like I say, uh, let's get together. Let's work. And it, it ain't going to hurt nothing. It's going to make nothing. it better. It's going to make it better. You yeah, know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yo, brother, with that, I'm going to call it a wrap. Man, listen, once again, I say this. I'm honored and privileged to be on here, brother. I'm always available when you need me. I'll say this real quick to you. Also, you can catch me on YouTube at Corrected Felon Podcast. Spell that. C-O-R-R-E-C-T-E-D. -R -R -E -E the word corrected. Felon. F-E-L-O-N Podcast. It's on YouTube. Right on. Would love to hear that. I'm going to check it out, too. So, y'all... Check out Brother Corey on Corrected Felon Podcast. You heard his um, other social media contacts, uh, Middle Passes Media. Um, yeah, it's right here. Well, you, you say you're on the audio. But also, your book. How about your book again? Uh, right Glasses, Wrong Prescription. Five Key Principles, How to Stay Out of Prison, the revised edition. That's a hard copy that's on Amazon.com. You got to just go to Amazon. It's on there. Right on, right on. And that's peace. I got you. Let's do the work. Right on, brother. With that, brother, peace. Man, peace, black man. Peace, black man. I'll be in touch. All right now. One.